And welcome to the Pink Isle on this beautiful winter day that we yes. definitely are in right now. Yes. So happy holidays, happy Festivus, happy Saturnalia, happy all the important holidays. Oh, God, I think I'm forgetting something. Oh, it's, uh, I believe it's near the end of Ramadan uh, for any Muslims out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't forget Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, you know? If there's one thing America is known for is that we give equal representation to all religious holidays. Yeah. Anywho. This is the Christmas Carol, Barbie (laughs) Christmas Carol. So, yeah. uh, This uh, listener is, of all the Barbie movies that I've seen in terms of what people consider the old era, like, Mm -hmm. this is the last one I remember seeing as, like, a kid kid. I think... This movie came out in 2008. I was in 8th grade. Oh my god, wow. Uh, So maybe I was less of a kid than I was imagining. But all I know is that uh, I ended up watching this movie and there's just one detail to this movie that has stuck out to me ever since and it is pretty great. And I'm really excited to witness you. See, I'm very excited for this movie. I'm a bit of a... Christmas Carol adaptation connoisseur, if yeah, you will. Yeah. I've like I've read the book a couple times. Yeah. I've I grew up with all of those parodies they would have on TV, and I seems like every time the holiday season comes around, I go through a weird phase where I'm just gonna like I'm just gonna watch some old Christmas Carol adaptations on YouTube. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a very valid way to spend the holidays. I am though. I think yeah. Muppet Christmas Carol still the best. one. Okay, obviously. yeah. So I was about to ask like. What were your, like, top three ranks? So you, Muppet Christmas Carol 1. The, the Albert Finney movie, the okay. Scrooge, the musical yeah. is pretty yeah. good. Um, and I do kind of have, even this might be a popular, I do have a bit of a special place in my heart in that Jim Carrey Christmas okay. Carol. No, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Jim Carrey is a monster. He's a biological terrorist for all I care because anti-vaxxer. Uh, but, yeah. but... Say what you will about him. Uh, Robert Zemeckis and his team, like, ended up doing a lot of really interesting things with that movie. And, like, the fact that they put so much care into, like, adapting the actual original illustrations into motion and making that movie. I think it was a really interesting movie. Yeah. I I still wouldn't say it's, like... I think the movie is a bit tonally weird in some parts. It's got some, like, weird comedy bits that kind of come at bad places. Yes, and... That one dancing scene where, like, the, uh, the wife, like, the, it was Scrooge's old boss and his wife, where she, like, just starts spinning up in the air for, like, a good, like, solid 20 seconds. I mean, at least that, that happened in, like, what was meant to be a lighter scene. It's that's not like true. when they have weird mini Scrooge chase scene in the Christmas future section, which is meant to be, like... All sad and dark. Yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of weird, especially when it kind of goes right to this, be like, oh, look. Scrooge sees his dead body in the bed. You're like, see, I remember when I watched that movie, that was the first, like, real, like, Christmas Carol adaptation I saw that wasn't, like, a cartoon parody. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it, I don't say, it, 
freaked me out. Oh yeah, bit. no, the Christmas Carol is a freaky, freaky story. Yeah. So, but I, I mean, I've always had a soft place. I think for all like the, you know, they're always doing Christmas Carol adaptations. But you know what? I never mind them. It's no. a tried and true formula. Yeah, and it's a very like there is something very satisfying about seeing like an irredeemable type person like finding that sort of like development and it teaches us the important story that the only way that rich people can change is to terrify them into submission yes and causing them to reconsider their hoarding of wealth and resources yeah see how that we'll see how that relates to barbie i'm not sure how they're gonna do it but yeah i'm I'm, I'm curious it'll be interesting for i mean you know who Barbie's playing in this one, right? Yeah, so Barbie is kind of like, well, you got, so for the voice actors, we got Kelly Sheridan, who's still playing Barbie as, like, the uh, framing device, and mm-hmm, then there's, like, a mm-hmm. different voice actress playing the Barbie counterpart in the story, but in this one, it is a gender-flipped Christmas Carol, where yes. Barbie is uh, the Scrooge, essentially. Yes, or Eden Starling, as she's called, so I guess they wanted to keep that same es yeah. thing which i mean okay i guess i don't know why they were afraid to like give her the last name of scrooge like it's like are you worried that that's not a pretty enough last name i don't know i mean there's been like gender flipped christmas carols before there was there was one i remember seeing one time that was like a diva's christmas carol or something like oh that, that sounds delightful it was delightful actually oh my God. you know who would be an amazing female scrooge Glenn Close. Yeah. I mean, granted, I'm just imagining her reprising her, like, Corella DeVille role, but, like, who else, what What other actress could you see playing? I, I, you see, I'd see, like, maybe if you put Kate Blanchett in an old lady oh, wig. Oh, yeah. yeah. Heck, I mean, you could get Dame Judi Dench to do it now. She would be great. <laughs> I know there have been some, like, stage adaptations that have had, like... A woman play Scrooge, but like play, play him as a man, but like okay. just a woman playing a man. You know, theater theater is fun. Theater isn't is it? very fun. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how Barbie takes us because like something we've observed time and time again with the, a Christmas Carol, it's a very anti-materialistic story, which kind of runs counter to the whole ethos of this whole series as a concept. But they're just telling you, don't give to bad capitalists, give to good capitalists like Mattel. Yeah, we'll have to see how they go with that. But uh, returning for some other crew, uh, we have William Lau as a director. And uh, surprisingly, I say surprisingly in a moment, for uh, Elise Allen to show up as the writer. So the reason why I say that is because I guess I've been so used to her doing the Fairytopia movies that the notion of her doing uh, this one felt a little like out of field. Because this feels like a story that you would see, like, Alana Lesser and her husband tackling. I mean, I I guess the ghosts are kind of like fairies in a way. There you are. There you are. I mean, that boo on me for, like, actually putting these writers into like those sort of boxes because it's like yeah they're doing it they're doing their best on this thing and i don't want to like make too many assumptions of them 
any more than I already have. But I don't know. It's I'm really excited, and I'm especially excited to see. I know. How and you I react. think I'm looking forward to it. The thing is, Christmas Carol adaptations are fun because the, there's always like a lot of like cool visual things they can do with it. So yeah, I'm just. It'll be interesting to see Curious how to they see tackle that on a budget. Yeah. Yeah. Will Barbie fall into her own grave? Hopefully. <laughs> we'll have to see. Uh, well, I guess there's only one way to find out. So, yeah. pour yourself a... Uh, Pop open some cold eggnog. Maybe. Get those bells for jangling. Get some fruitcake on the Barbie, as they say. Oh, uh, <laughs> Oh, I can't believe you've done this. Uh-huh. <laughs> this holiday, you can bring the movie to life with Barbie is Eden Starling and her cat. Barbie and a Christmas Carol doll, DVD sold separately. And we're back. Ho, 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 everyone. <laughs> yeah. So, I really enjoyed that. Like, I'm... I mentioned I like Christmas Carol adaptations, and I thought, as far as, like, a kind of kid's Christmas Carol adaptation, I do kind of like how they kind of did it sort of in a different way than other ones might have done. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think this movie gave the impression that, like, they had to meet some certain guidelines while still also adhering to the original uh, Christmas Carol story. But, like, I mean, credit to Elise Allen. She did a pretty good job with this one. Like, the original elements that she incorporated into this work was, like, pretty endearing. Yeah, and I kind of like how they sort of built it on the, like, relationship between her and her friend, like, throughout the years. Yeah, that's, that was nice. That was nice. But before we can get to that, it's time for another framing sequence. Hell yeah. Yeah, so it's modern day Christmas. So, listener, full disclosure, uh, the thing that I thought they were discussing in this movie, uh turns out was in a different movie so what what movie was it you will just have to see when we get to that barbie movie okay because so have you not seen this movie before i guess i haven't seen this movie before so this is a interesting experience with this one i'm very excited to talk about this so you got this framing sequence where barbie is about to go to this like charity ball for a hospital and she's trying to find her sister, but her sister, oh, she doesn't want to go to some sticking ball. She wants to do what they do for every Christmas and bake cookies and open a special present. Not go to a freaking party. Barbie is like, Kelly, I'm going to be real with you. Stop being such a selfish bastard. <laughs> you imbecile. That you say that, but there is an actual like d- more of a sisterly dynamic with this one. Like, yeah, what I like about like this framing device, it feels a lot more like involved in the actual story than like in the early movies where it was just like, here's oh. a random other lesson. Yeah, it's like, oh Kelly, you got your own personal shit that we got to work through. All right, here's a completely unrelated story. Enjoy. Yeah. But with this one, it's like they usually cut back and forth between each other uh, throughout the movie. And you sort of end up getting, like, this sort of interesting dynamic between, like, Barbie and Kelly. Yeah, they have a really fun kind of, like, sibling dynamic. And I think it's, like, their scenes are entertaining together. Yeah, I think so. Most of the time, these framing device scenes are just 
you kind of wish that they would be over sooner. But with this one, it's like, okay, I see what you're trying to do. Ever since they started doing them again, they do feel a lot more, like, naturally integrated. I Yeah, they probably were thinking, like, okay, these framing devices aren't working, so they went away from them. And then after a while, they probably realized, oh, wait a minute, if we did this, it'll be a lot better. Yeah, and it's also kind of a way for them to still keep Kelly Sheridan in these movies without uh-huh. her obviously not having as much time recording. Yeah, exactly. I, I am... Still genuinely curious what was going on at Mainframe Entertainment at the time with, like, was there, like, a contract dispute with, like, Kelly Sheridan? Were they trying to, like, find a new Barbie voice? Like, I'm really interested to find out. Well, the last two protagonists, like this one and even Thumbelina, are very kind of different from other Barbie Barbie characters. Yeah, that's true. So maybe she didn't want her name attached to, like, even Mary Poza was a little different from... But know. either way, they're doing Kristen Sarah Barbie killing it in the looks department. This dress, I gotta say, yeah, it's a it's a bit more risque than your typical Barbie yeah, dress. Like, She's got like the, the it's the, like the a mermaid neckline. cut. Yeah, like she comes out in this like mermaid cut. It's like this pretty elegant ball dress. Sure, like she has like that thin transparent material for the sleeves and the cleavage area, yeah. but it's like still there, and it's like oh, okay, Barbie. I mean. You do you! Oh, yeah, but, so... I'm a sucker for, like, nicely designed modern dresses. We don't see enough of that in these movies. Like, don't get me wrong, some of the dresses have been pretty good in some of the past Barbie movies, but, like, I don't know. Like, it's usually been, like, very standard period piece ball gown stuff that we've seen, like, a bunch of times, so I think seeing this is a nice little touch of uh, variety. Yeah, and I do at least, like... We do get something kind of, like, different with this movie with the whole, like, Christmas Carol adaptation. Because this one ends up being set in Victorian England. Yeah, so they present as sanitized a version as Victorian England as they probably could. You mean they didn't include the shit in the streets? Or the constant tuberculosis or syphilis or... The massive wealth inequality throughout London and Mm. the failings of the Industrial Revolution to provide a safety net for the lower class individuals. I feel like they touch on that a little bit. Okay, they do. But I feel like that comes with the nature of adapting a Christmas Carol. Either way, uh, we are introduced to our Scrooge equivalent in the story, who is Eden Starling, who is... A very famous singer, like, yeah. to the point where she's, like, known among just, like, random people. Like, they know who she is. And she's doing a Christmas sor- sort of oversung t- version of Oh Christmas Tree to yeah. a big crowd. Yeah, which, I mean, I guess they're trying to be like, oh, she's an opera singer. And also, we need, we can't do just, like, a random opera song. We gotta do something. Yeah, this has a bunch of little Christmas carol song sequences in this. Yeah, I mean... This movie is not the only uh, movie to woefully misinterpret what opera singing looks and sounds like. Greatest showman! Uh, but I like, the I gotta, like, spit on Oh, my I'm sorry. <laughs> but I love the whole transition where, like, Barbie's describing how, like, oh, she was talented, beautiful, and full of herself, where you immediately see this, like, smile wipe away as she starts being, like, this and sort of... And she's like, ugh, I hate Christmas. How dare they? They haven't brought me crumpets yet. 
Yeah. And listener, That's we're how you not know really it's England because they got the crumpets. They got the crumpets, and listener, we are not exaggerating when we say that that sweater voice is white. Like yours was actually pretty on point. Actually. Yeah, it definitely does sound like Americans doing British accents in this movie. Yeah, I mean, at least they certainly tried, which is not something every British period piece can say. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, either way, so we get essentially introduced so this is kind of the thing that's confusing eden like she like owns this, this theater the- yeah I think. like she's like this big star and i yeah i don't know how this thing works but she basically has this big like show that is going to be occurring in two weeks and she has like these other entertainers aside from like the singing like she has I guess we can introduce the rest of the other. Yeah, so, so there's this juggler dude who's like German. Friend. No, he's he's like he says a lot of French phrases. I thought it was German. He's like an ambiguous European type thing. Maybe like, it's just because he reminded me of that one character from Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> Bumby. Yeah. <laughs> okay, he sounded like a weird mix of French and Spanish because, like, he was wearing that. In Italian, because he's wearing that whole Palagachi-type uh, clown outfit, you know, and he was doing, like, this struggling, but he also did said a lot of phrases in French, and it's like, pick an angle, my dudes, now, but... Some, some of these entertainer side characters are a bit strange, because we also have these, like, twin ballerinas that just, like... Dance around and they jingle. Yeah, and they do the thing, hey, they complete each other's sentences, like all twins do, like, I assume. Yes, yeah, it's... They were a little weird. And then we got this, like, super tall, like, magician dude. Who's called Freddy. So you think he's meant to, like, kind of parallel the Fred from the story. But yeah. he, he isn't really that character. No, so it's more just like, He's oh. just a dude. Yeah, he's just a random guy. And then we got, of course, essentially our, almost like a secondary protagonist. Yes. We have Catherine, who is the costume designer for the show. And she is also... A childhood friend of Eden, so yeah. she's known her very for a very long time. That's true. And also, one of our first examples of having a major woman of color in one of these movies. Yeah, I mean, they're ambiguous as heck about what, like, what ethnicity she is. Is she, mm. like, supposed to be, like, Italian, Spanish, like, Native American? I think she's just supposed to be black, because you see her family in. That's yeah. true, yeah. But... She's just She's a very, black British person. Yeah, a very, very light-skinned black British person. Yeah, but, I mean, at least she's there, so... I guess, yeah, and yeah. she's, like, a pretty interesting character, but to your point of, like, her being a secondary protagonist, a lot of people have argued that, like, in certain adaptations of A Christmas Carol, Bob Cratchit has also, like, been yeah, somewhat of she's a... she's pretty much the Bob Cratchit of the story, only doesn't have a spouse and children. yeah. In fact, the magician dude, Freddy, wants to ask her on a date, and yeah. it's it's a whole thing. Yeah, that's a part of it, a bit, but unlike typical Bob Cratchit Scrooge dynamic, she's actually, like, a longtime friend mm-hmm, of Eden, mm-hmm. which I think creates kind of, like, an interesting dynamic, and their relationship is kind of, like, what the movie hinges on. I think having that, like, sort of individual relationship kind of, like, you know, it adds to, like, the stakes of why we want Eden to get better. You I know, agree. Because, because this movie can't, like, go as far as, like, other adaptations with, like, 
the consequences of poverty that's yeah. kind of like where they get their stakes in this movie yeah that is true that mm-hmm. is true but it's interesting uh so Eden is all like pulling the same you have to work on christmas stuff in order to get ready for this show that is in two weeks and this causes reasonably so like some tension between her and her workers and in the meantime Eden's getting very defensive about it and when she tries to uh and when they try to reason with her she basically threatens to fire them if they don't show up to work the next day yeah and we get a scene where like Catherine confronts her in their room and they kind of have a spat and she also accuses Catherine of working on a different show and yeah it's very interesting where she is so like hurt by the potential of like Catherine doing stuff with other people and it's like yeah. but you must so- mention Eden never does get any kind of love interest in this movie so. yeah hmm. I mean they have a close relationship there's some they got history together I, I agree saying. I I agree I'm just between Diamond Castle and this one it's like wow I mean I get no disrespect to Princess and the Popper fans but also these are, like, right there, my dudes, like... Either way, we don't really have, like, all the build-up to, like, the Jacob Marley stuff in this one that you get in your typical Christmas yeah. Carol adaptations. It cuts just kind of, like, you know, we get the situation established, and then we start going into, like, Eden sleeping, and then, boom, ghost. Boom, there. the ghost. And, uh... Oh, also before we also get her phrase that gets repeated throughout the movie that her aunt t- taught her that... In a selfish world, only the selfish should survive. Yeah, which, not the most subtle statement, but it is one that definitely feels evocative of a lot of people. So, there you go. Good on you, Mattel. Mm. I will say this, the fact that uh, the Disney and Muppet version were able to go more hard than this one is... It's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's definitely a thing with Barbie movies where they 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 can't like be too like spooky or unpleasant. Because just example like this scene, we get uh, Eden's aunt coming back to her, and she even has like the chains and stuff. But instead of like the safes, it's like little vanities because she's self centered. A eh? and we essentially get the conversation with their version of uh, jacob marley yeah. only oh. it's still kind of like undercut because oh we forgot to mention she has this like eden has this cat uh, that is around yeah, the entire Chesare. movie yeah cesare which uh, it was like chesawit it wasn't cesare oh but not we get like all these comedy scenes of this cat. cat is always trying to like jump on things and yeah and it's a whole thing it's a whole thing and what makes it especially strange is that they really upped the cartoon proportions of this cat like they usually played it somewhat realistic with some of the i remember the breakdancing dogs from diamond castle okay Okay. you know what fair but you never saw cesare walking on hind legs and cesare acted like a cat i'm still calling him cesare it's chesowitz it's one of those things where i guess I mean, I'm kind of glad it's there because it, it's, like, inoffensive. Like, and it... Yeah. But some of them lead to too many But there definitely is a shit. feel in this movie where, like, we can't make anything too scary. Yeah, like, quick, more cat shenanigans. Oh. But we get 
essentially, of course, Eden is in denial when her aunt is telling her that she needs to change her life and whatnot. Uh-huh. I'm gotta say I'm disappointed that they had no rotten jawline. Yeah, I would have loved to see that in a CGI Barbie movie graphics. (laughs) Oh man, I mean, if it's half as good as the Robertson Meckes version, that would be interesting. But yeah, interesting angle that they did with this, where one of the reasons why Eden was in such denial was was that she was like. My aunt would never admit that she was wrong about this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ooh, ooh, that's, like, it says a lot about what their relationship was like. Yeah. I mean, it does kind of bug me a bit in this movie that they kind of, like, redeem the aunt at the end, Then, but when we go back, we see she was kind of, like, the source of her. Yeah. <laughs> like. But, but. In, I mean, I think they at least tried to, like, justify it, where she was like, oh, God, listen, sweetie, I'm regretting this hardcore. You need to change yourselves right now. Oh, side note, I do like the, uh, like, kind of jab she put in there where she's like, you need to change, sweetie, and not just your nightgown. I mean, girl! (laughs) There is a lot of good sassy quotes. Oh, we forgot to mention, there's a part in the framing device where we kind of go back to, um... It's when Eden is being, like, just rude to everyone and we go back to Kelly and she was like, but Barbie, the stories you tell are mostly about nice girls. And I think that was kind of, like, an interesting sort of meta commentary because I think, especially early on, a lot of early on Barbie protagonists are very, like, they're meant to be kind of, like, symbols of, like, very good, mm-hmm. pure-hearted people. Yeah. So, I but think- then Barbie makes, like, the point, like, well, it's important to tell stories about people who make mistakes and stuff. So it's, like... Hey, that's kind of a cool thing that they mentioned. Like, it's okay to have, like, protagonists or female protagonists that aren't perfect people, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it's almost as if, like, making a good character just requires, like, acknowledging their humanity. Who does suck it? Yeah. But the... Another interesting thing is that I'm going to be curious to see, like, how the Barbie protagonist change going forward from this movie. Because, like, there's a distinct chance that they might try to, like talk more about giving them those sort of flaws after this movie because yeah. now we're and actual that. flaws not just like um she uh, can't stand up for herself or yeah something. or she isn't confident or doesn't believe yeah but um also the model for the aunt is the villain from island princess the villain from island princess as well as the voice of madame carp A.K.A. the villain from, well, one of the villains from Princess and the Popper. No, that wasn't Princess and the Popper. Madame Carp? Yeah. She had that whole, like... Oh, okay. Yeah. I I literally forgot about that character. Yeah, she was the evil dress lady. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but she... Wait, that might have been who it was instead of the Island Princess villain. I mean, I think she had very... They, I figure they probably used the same They probably reused many models (laughs) yeah but either way so we get that scene and then of course she tries to chase off the ghost but uh the ghost disappears and she eventually goes to sleep and then she's visited by the first spirit the ghost of christmas past who's like a shorter 
sparkly lady. With, like, pointy ears. Yeah. I did kind of like the personality they gave to the ghost in his Christmas past, because that ghost is usually just kind of, like, distant or cryptic, but yeah. this one is more, she's, like, a fangirl for Eden. Which, I think they did a very interesting angle here, where, like, each one of these ghosts were in distinct age groups where Ghost of Christmas Past was a teenager or a child and was likewise very childlike and naive and all that sort of stuff. Then the Ghost of Christmas Present was like more of like a middle-aged adult person, like one that has a lot of their stuff figured out and therefore is a lot more jovial. And then you get to the Ghost of Christmas Future is like this older woman, but like an older woman that's, like, aged very well. Yeah. Because, I mean, Barbie movie, but also... Well, we'll get to the ghost of Christmas future, but um, that's one thing I think is also interesting about this adaptation is that the Scrooge in this one is, like, liked by the public, you know? Because yeah. the, the whole thing in the original book is, like, everyone just hated Scrooge. And but like, this one, it's, like, it's just a different dynamic, I think. Yeah, and I think that presents, like, a good angle for this yeah and i think it also helps makes the conflict more personal because it's more about like her making amends with her friends and like scrooge where he had like control over the livelihoods of a bunch of people yeah and i mean she kind of still does by extent yeah but but not quite to like the same extent. true true Mm -hmm. so then again there's an another interesting angle that they uh go for they end up going back to the past and usually the ghost of christmas past is very much aware of what happened to scrooge and in this one uh this ghost is like learning about a lot of this stuff for the first time yeah but that was also part they like didn't it felt like they didn't want to make any of the ghosts feel too mean to eden in this one that's true. Because none of them are really quite as, like, antagonistic to her as, like, the ghosts usually are. They're just kind of, like, along for the ride. Yeah. So they go to the past, and the cat comes too, of course. The cat's gotta come. And like, we... S- his whole thing, like, his whole thing is that he's just hungry, and it's like, I, get, I mean, I get, he's a fat cat, old adult, but also, like, guys... There are only only so many food-related hijinks that I can handle. Well, they gotta pad the runtime somehow, somehow. but we but see up... a young Eden, and she's essentially being held at her aunt's home during Christmas because her aunt just wants her to practice her scales so she can be a good singer, so the aunt in this version is a pageant mom. Oh yeah, is... oh yeah. One thing I acknowledged was, this is an interesting angle they also went with the ant, where, like, when she shows up as a ghost, she reali- she talked about how, like, oh, I was wrong with the whole, in a selfish world, selfish people end up succeeding. Like, she said, like, I was wrong, though I only said that because I never actually became a star. Yeah, there definitely is some, like, child star commentary in oh, this yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is interesting it, it it i don't know if that feels like a place barbie can go to really but i mean then again like there have been very justified criticisms of how like barbie could promote some like unflattering uh self-esteem issues and that's a very similar environment that could be evoked in such a 
child actor pageant mom type environment yeah. where you you gotta hold these young girls to like an unattainable ideal and that leads to a lot of problems for them down the road so yeah maybe oh but know. we do and we get that we do get this like interaction where the of course they explain the rules they can't Touch interact anything. with the people but apparently animals can see the cat because which of that's some weird times shenanigans yes, going on. That's there. what I was thinking. There are some weird implications in that because the implications are either that this is they are actually traveling through time, or she's just showing showing like the magical equivalent of a simulation of her past. And either one of those things like brings up some weird implications. Yeah, we don't. We never. I don't think any attention we ever really need to know how these ghosts work exactly. That's true. But essentially... But if it's in the service of pointless hijinks, it's like... Okay. Guys, I don't know. But anyway, so we see that um, Eden ends up sneaking away so she can go over to her friend Catherine and her family's house. And when she gets there, they're like... They welcome her. They have like a stocking and presents for her. So they were like, they knew that she wasn't getting Christmas at home. Yeah, and it's just like the sweetest. It is such thing. A, like a cute scene. Yeah, honestly, it, especially like just how happy Catherine is to see Eden. It was a very endearing scene because you just got this real sense of like genuine love between them. Not even just in the romantic sense, but just yeah. like this. And that, like, her family was so, like, open to, like, having her be yeah, a part of and it and so, stuff. That's, that's great. Mm-hmm. I I really appreciated it. And so one thing they do once they decide to start giving the gifts, uh, she ends up getting this special snow globe. That has the three spirits swirling around inside it. Uh-huh. Which also brings up a big amount of implications, because they come out of that snow go- globe yeah. later, so... But also... That snow globe is significant for the framing device because the snow globe first pops up when um, Barbie is talking about how, like, oh, you don't want to go to this party? Well, I want to show you the snow globe. And Kelly's like, oh, that's the snow globe you never let me touch because I might break it. And it's like... Yeah, the more you think about the logistics of this movie, the more it kind of blows your mind yeah it gets a little weird i mean it's pretty efficient storytelling i'll give them that but what they end up doing is uh they end up giving this little pageant at the party where they start singing like but they don't sing sing jingle bell rock though so (laughs) (laughs) side note a muppet family christmas is like the more i think about it it's like probably amongst my favorite christmas specials i as I've gotten older, I'm, like, kind of less eh towards certain Christmas specials. But that one, that one still holds its dear... I've never seen that one. It is so genuinely sweet. It's one of the last things Jim Henson Aww. worked on before he passed away. Yeah. Uh, but he had this... I mean, it was, like an, it was like a cute Christmas special where the Muppets, the Sesame Street kit, people, Fraggle Rock... Some of the Muppet Babies. They should have brought in the Dark Crystal cast in there, too. <laughs> mm. Oh, no. Mm. Sweet little girlfriend. I cannot do a Skeksy impression to save my life. But anyway. Uh, it was a good attempt. Thanks. Uh, but, uh, so they they sing Jolly Old St. Nicholas, and it's it's cute. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. Very produced voices in this one, but what can you do? What can you do? But they have more uh, hijinks with the cat where he's trying to eat food, even though it's established that you can't eat the food. So keep it in your mouth. I feel like we just need to skip over the parts that are just cat hygiene. That's fair. I mean, it's but it's good to acknowledge that they're doing this because they put the dog out in out of the house because he keeps barking at the cat, and it's just like, oh, wow. Again, weird time implications, but okay. But after they give this sort of performance, they're all so happy, and then suddenly. Oh, the ant shows up. And I liked the thing that they did before where Eden is like, I need to go now. Take me home now. And the ghost of Christmas past is like, what? Why? And then she sees, like, the ant show up. And then she... And it's... I don't know. It's a genuinely sad scene. And, yeah. And I think that did it. And then we learn that she, like, never got to go to their house anymore for mm-hmm. Christmas after that. That was their last Christmas. And... I know. And she seems sad, and then Alina's like, no, it was good. Just very in denial about, like, the very clear childhood yeah, trauma. she's still she... in her denial stage of her acceptance of Christmas. Mm, mm-hmm. Get in bed with Christmas, Eden. Oh, God, don't... You gotta, you gotta <laughs> love that Christmas, Eden. I don't, I don't like whatever was going on there. <laughs> but, uh, so we go back, and of course... Not long, we get to our Christmas present scene. Yeah, and like we said, she's like this older lady and she's covered in like these Christmas cookies and has like this brass section. I kind of like that they kind of make each of the ghosts also kind of theatrically themed. Yeah, because the Christmas present, she like had like music notes. And and... like instruments and stuff like that. Yeah, we forgot to mention they have these like warp tunnels that they summon that brings us to the scenes. Yeah, and uh, also the Christmas past one was like a ballerina Mm -hmm. and Christmas future was kind of like I got the impression that she was like a singer. Yeah. I don't know, whereas Christmas present was more like a band leader because of the instruments. But I don't know. Anyway, so she ends up reluctantly following Christmas present, and some of the things that she sees is uh, she ends up seeing her workers who are still working, even though it's Christmas Day, and the juggler starts throwing tomatoes at the poster for Eden. Yeah, and then we have a dramatic scene where like Catherine shows up, and it looks like she's gonna be mad, but then she goes down and also throws a tomato. Yeah, and Eden is just like distraught by this. It's very clear that she still is, like, even though she doesn't like show it, she still feels a lot of affection to to uh, Catherine. Yeah, and then the scene right after we have a scene of like Catherine talking to her sister and Mm -hmm. being like. Well, you know... I'm mad at her, but, like, we have all this history and I can never, like, abandon her. But I want my friend back. And that's, like, dang! That hits hard. Like, that feeling where you wish you could, like, reestablish that special connection you've had with, like, past friends. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, it's kind of... Like you think it's like the whole friendship angle is something that's like not really present in other Christmas Carol adaptations. And I think it makes this story feel pretty like unique. You know? Yeah, and I think that it's an interesting angle that they went with, and I'm glad they did that because I feel like if they had her just be like a standard rich woman mm-hmm. and like have like 
if they just did like straight up gender bent Christmas Carol with the sort of sanitized Barbie stuff. Yeah, it wouldn't have been as interesting. I don't. Yeah, think. but but Carol's totally we, solid. She, yeah. But we get to see what uh, Catherine's other show she was working on was. Yeah, and the entire time, like, Eden's just like, oh, she's she thinks she's so good going there. Oh, but she's just this vicious snake. Oh, she's so duplicitous. How dare she? And then, whoop! Turns out she's doing stuff for orphans. Yep, we get our obligatory orphanage, so... Yep. And so we find out that Catherine was making these outfits for this little Christmas pageant that these orphans were putting on at the orphanage, including our Tiny Tim equivalent, which is Tammy. Tiny Tammy. Tiny Tammy, who is Kelly, like the same model. The same model and voice as Kelly. Which which means Barbie put, uh, um, she she casted her sister as the dying orphan, (laughs) (laughs) which, okay. Okay, I mean, keep in mind, she's probably still annoyed with them missing the party, so that's what you get, Kelly. Get a, I'm gonna make you a, a fairy tale cripple in this, ha. Oh, so. But we get a scene where uh, Catherine talks to the kids, and she's talking about how she wants to, like, stay and see, but she has to go because she has to work, and they're all like, we wish we could be you and get to work with Eden Starling all the time and, and how they want to see her and stuff like that. Yeah, and, like, she makes a point of being like, oh, yeah, Eden Starling's very proud of all of you guys and she wishes you a very happy Christmas and it's like, oh, oh, dang. Yeah. It's so sad. So, uh, Eden starts getting movie. more of that rich person guilt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, drink it in. That's... That's, I mean, let's be honest, that's one of the highlights of A Christmas Carol, just seeing the Scrooge surrogate get Be back. like, my actions have consequences? What? I have actual influence over the world? Damn. I have a platform that I gotta use responsibly? But from, so we get their little Christmas pageant, whatever, where they sing very auto-tuned Christmas carols, and then we get information from the orphanage owner that the orphanage is going to be closing down soon because of course it it always is so okay this is a very unrelated thing but i just had this idea you know at some point someday they're going to make a christmas carol adaptation that centers on the scrooge surrogate being a youtuber Can you imagine? Hey, what's up, fam? I'm here to let you know that uh, with Christmas, you could just skip that stuff. <laughs> Subscribe now and watch my 24-hour gamer. After he gets the, the visions, his uh, act of redemption is making an apology video. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag bah humbug, fam. <laughs> Don't forget to use the promo code bah humbug when you go to audible.com. I see your future, and you will soon be cancelled if you don't change your ways. <laughs> no, even worse, you're gonna post cringe on Maine. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, I'm so sorry, but she ends up leaving uh, because there's not much else 
that uh, they show at this in the in the present, yeah. but uh, like Ghost of Christmas, present is all like, well, too bad that the thing will close down. Mm. But hey, selfish, selfish people make it in a selfish world. Yeah, I do. It's almost like. That's sort of their version of the line from the story that's like, they better die and decrease the surplus population yeah, that the so, ghosts used to, like, throw at Scrooge and stuff like oh that. Oh, yeah, I feel like that sort of eugenicist outlook might not play well with Mattel. Yeah. Redemption arc or no. Definitely, but we get the, the ghost of present goes, and we never get to see any creepy children under her cloak, so... Mm. What a disappointment. Oh, man. Could you imagine if, like, Bullhut Cut Kid <laughs> was... <laughs> That's who it would be. It would be Bullhut Kid, and then it would be those two random uh, trolls from the first Fairytopia movie. Uh. <laughs> no, the other one would be Bibble! Keep <laughs> <laughs> Christmas in your heart, Elena No, Bibble should have been Ghost of Christmas Future. Oh, Surprise! I see Gotta change your path oh, the brew. Make it stop. I swear to God, I'll, I'll love Christmas, whatever, please. <laughs> <laughs> but, anyway, we. So, uh, so, speaking of the ghost of uh, Christmas Future, they did an interesting angle where most of the time the ghost of Christmas Future is either like straight up death, the Grim Reaper, or like a faceless spirit or shadow. Only this one, she's just a lady. A lady. Which An is, old lady, but yeah, a lady. A very youthful-looking old lady. A very youth- Well, this is kind of as old as they will make uh, non-villainous characters look. Yeah, but... Well, when they refer- When she first shows up, she has the cloak, but it is another one of the things where they, like, they don't want it to be too spooky, yeah, so they don't really play into like, it as much as... Yeah, like... I don't know. I feel like they could have, like, made it her a hooded figure the yeah, whole time. Like, you could still show her lower face, but, like, you know. But how are they gonna make that toy, Henry? I need to look up, actually, see what type of toys they made for this. Yeah, but either way, I would have been down with a skeleton lady, but mm. she's just a lady, so it's uh. a bit... It's a, as far as Christmas future scenes, this one is a bit underwhelming. Yeah, but... I mean... Especially since, like, they kind of use kitty gloves to talk about some of the consequences. So, yeah. one of the consequences that she gives is that, like, oh, uh, all the workers showed up late. So, she's gonna end up getting a, uh, they're all gonna get fired. And because of that, so Catherine ends up losing her job and she has to take a job somewhere else. And when she comes back, the orphanage is completely shut down. Yeah, and she and they're all like, scattered to the world, having yeah, a yeah. It's them. kind of implied where she was like, "I was gonna adopt Tiny Tammy myself, but she was gone." And it's like, is she dead? Maybe they aren't gonna say it, but she definitely is dead. <laughs> oh, she's definitely like in a ditch somewhere. So. Yeah, but or like stuck in a chimney. Ugh. I mean, hey, well, that happened to a lot of urchins. It, it, yeah, it was uh, Victorian England. Yeah, but and we also or learned, working in the coal mines. 
Anyway. Uh, but we learned that Eden, essentially, after she fired her old workers, all her new ones just kind of, like, sabotaged her show. So now she's pretty much out of money. Her home and the theater is all decrepit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she sees a poster that displays a uh, Catherine. Yeah. And she's that her new fashion line is coming out. And she's like, Catherine will help me. I'm going to go meet Catherine. And then Eden from the past is all like, see, everything did turn out okay. And it's like, oof. I will give them credit for this. Like, all throughout this scene, like, there was, like, this kind of sense of dread that was hanging over the whole proceedings, which I'm impressed that they were actually able to convey, because normally they don't, uh, like, do a decent job with that sort of suspense stuff compared to other movies. So, but eventually she arrives at this dress shop, and, yeah, in an interesting twist of fate, it turns out... Catherine turned out basically exactly like her. Yeah, she's not letting her employees have the holiday off. And then when uh, Eden comes to talk to her, she's like, well, ever since you fired me on Christmas, I soon realized that you were right, that only the selfish can survive in a selfish world. Yep, yep. And And so... Eden gets to see the consequences of her actions. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it was interesting being able to see all that, and basically all she does is like she does the exposition saying that like the orphanage is gone, and so she was like, "Yeah, I've decided to just stop caring now." So, hmm. bye. Here, oh, here's a scarf, a white scarf. So, bye. And yeah. so she's out in the cold. Even the cat abandons her. And the her. cat abandons her! <laughs> but the cat gets thrown out anyway. The cat so. gets thrown out. And it's just like, wow. So she kind of hits rock bottom. And then Eden comes to the realization, oh, wow, this will be very inconvenient for me. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. And also, like, her friend kind of got ruined, too. Definitely. But. I mean, that seemed to be, like, the bigger kicker here, where she's like, no. Where she seemed genuinely hurt to see her friend, like, become like that. And it's, like, like you said, like, the friendship angle really does end up being, like, the biggest saving grace for this movie. And yeah. it's it's very, it's very cool. But alongside that, uh, she does the standard Scrooge thing of, like, oh, please say it ain't so. Oh, let me, I'll, I'll change, I swear. And goes to Christmas Futures, like, nah. This this is now predetermined. Yeah, now. we don't get to see her see her own grave though. Yeah, but. I mean, I my head canon is is that as uh, Eden is just walking out into the cold, like ten minutes later, she gets like hit by a carriage or something. <laughs> probably, I feel like there's some implication that she's probably not gonna recover from the situation she is in now. Yeah, so. or she's just gonna freeze to death in her theater. Ooh, ooh, ooh God, that. Ooh, that feels too real. Anyway, no time for that because she wakes up and realizes, no, it's Christmas. It's Christmas Day. And we could, I could still change. And she really does. Something that is always fun to see in some of these Christmas Carol adaptations is seeing, like, how sometimes the Scrooge character ends up coming up as, like, completely insane after, like, going through this when they have a change of heart. 
And they kind of play into that in this one, too, which is kind of amusing to see, because she's basically, like, babbling to herself of, like, oh, all the shops are closed, but I'm still going to give them gifts. Oh, I must give them gifts. And so she rolls up to her crew and... In a new fancy dress. In a new fancy dress. Uh, and this was the dress that they were really selling. Yeah, a red, a red dress, because Christmas. Yeah, so, side note, uh, we talked a little bit about the dress that they were utilizing at the very beginning within the framing dice, but turns out that was also a, like, tie-in. So, something that Barbie does every year. Um, I don't know if how aware this the you holiday are. Barbie. The holiday Barbie. Every year they get a new designer to design a new holiday dress for Barbie, and they're big collectors' items. And the dress that we saw was a slightly modified version of the 2008 holiday dress. The real one is a lot more. It still has the same basic cut of like, uh, like lace at the top with like a low cut midriff with a uh mermaid style bottom, but they kind of like toned it down and. To be honest, I kind of like the movie version better. Yeah. I don't know. Like, just looking at the real version design, like, it doesn't look bad. It's just, I don't know. It, it, I think they played it a lot more subtle. And I feel like with a lot of these holiday dresses, they kind of, like, play up that collector's item aspect and make it kind of more unsubtle. Yeah. I mean, it's still a cool dress, though. Oh, it is still a very cool dress, but... Anyway, she rolls up with them on their new holiday outfit, and oh, uh, Cesare, Ch- God, Cesare, Cheswit, I'm so sorry, Cheswit uh, is in a little Santa outfit. Oh, 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 and she starts giving. The, she, she just gives them random shit she found from her. Yeah, like she's like, it's like that that Christmas episode of SpongeBob. Oh yeah, oh yeah, where it's like. Here's a bowl. Oh, here's a teacup in my iron, and you're gonna- For you, ma'am, a bowl of mashed potatoes. (laughs) A new hairstyle. (laughs) But also, a saving grace is that, like, here's some- They are some things from around my house, but here's another thing I've found in my house. Christmas bonuses, which is like, okay- misdirected segue there barbie well yeah, done i do like the third oh yeah she does need to give her money to other people yeah so good good on her and she doesn't give Catherine her gifts yet she's like oh i have a couple of gifts for you but not before giving the uh what's what's that f- freddy's name freddy yeah yeah they, she what's gives, that freddy's name yeah <laughs> freddy they gave freddy a little envelope with special instructions and it's and she's just like totally wingmanning it for Catherine, i guess yeah but but she's like i will give Catherine. i will give you her present earlier but right now there's some orphans i need to meet and then Catherine is like how did you know about that oh i must have heard it in a dream (laughs) and it's like okay no but really how did you know that don't question it don't question it are we going to have to send her to the asylum? Yeah. I feel like if this... That's the one thing, a reason of... A, a female Scrooge might not work as well, because if a woman in this time started going crazy... Uh, we're they'd talking about ghosts. A, well, I mean, spirit... Spirit, uh... Like, seances, they were pretty big in Victorian England, so it that was, like, one of the big reasons why Charles Dickens wrote this, because 
ghosts were becoming kind of like a mainstream pastime where like people would ghosts be like ghosts have become a mainstream pastime no they seriously were where they had like these people that and would turn I, around I believe the you but that's very funny yeah I mean granted the fact that she would be have such a sudden behavioral change would still be enough to send her off to the old asylum with the old female hysteria yeah maybe if she was lucky she would get those new treatments okay. with with the electroshocks and everything okay let's move past that uh, anyway yeah. so she goes to the orphanage and she surprises the orphans of course including little tiny tammy yeah likes that and then of course she like horse drop and we get the god bless us everyone even though she didn't say it earlier so she it didn't just... and it's yeah it's one of those things where it's like oh shoot we gotta include this uh here fine and so eden promises that she's going to basically adopt all of these orphans in a fashion where she's basically gonna bankroll all their money toys books all that sort of stuff which yeah good on her using her wealth for altruism yeah which is good yeah i feel like since she isn't, like, a banker, this is kind of, like, amongst the best things that she could probably do as a woman in Victorian England. But it's yeah. still, like, yeah, it's it's still appreciated. But, so, she ends up going with Catherine, and then Freddy comes with a horse carriage. Because, of course, it's got to be a horse carriage at some point. Oh, yeah. Oh, and says yeah. that they are going to go to Catherine's, uh... Family. Fam- family for Christmas together, uh-huh. which is very sweet, and also... But not before Freddy's gotta... Oh, he's gonna start stammering, and he's like, oh, would you... And he's, would you feel the honor to... I mean, would you have the pleasure to... And it's like, are you asking me on a date? And it's like... And she's like, yes! And it's like, okay. Yeah, fine. Whatever. But uh, uh, then... She's got two hands. <laughs> But then we have uh, the scene where they get stuck in a little bit of snow, and suddenly the ghosts of Christmas start flying over the snow globe. Yeah. Because she tells Catherine that she still has the snow globe because she appreciates their friendship. Yeah. It's a very sweet scene. Just gals being pals. Yeah. And so we get the scene of the ghosts flying around, and they sing a song. And it's like, okay, they just look This is just happening. And and they're... and, like, I guess everyone is seeing this and is cool with it, but they transform the wheels of this carriage into, like, sleigh rails, which is like, okay, you rented that thing, right? That's gonna come out of your deposit, you know that. Well, she's rich, she can handle it, it's okay. <sighs> Darn you rich people. But, so, we get that sequence. And, <laughs> like, they're going away, and, like, all the children are waving them goodbye. And, and then... also, the spirit of the aunt is there, too, with her chains gone, so she's doing okay, yeah, too. Yeah, I guess all it takes is that you gotta redeem one schmuck, and then you're absolved of all your mortal sins, but whatever. Yeah. As a Catholic, this is kind of a... This is the, Stones think, and glass houses type deal. This is, I think, the first Barbie movie to acknowledge the existence of God. <laughs> so That's true. <laughs> I mean, that comes with the territory of, like... Christmas. Uh, yeah, the Christmas. But still still feels a bit strange, but... A know. little bit, a little bit. That's probably why they only did, like, the one God bless us, everyone. Yeah, maybe. Although but then you... they, they sing, like, tidings of comfort and joy. That's true. They do sing, like, overtly Christian, like, oh, yeah. or like carol. Not tidings of comfort and joy, one of, uh, oh, come all ye faithful. Yeah. One of those. That's that definitely one. mentions, like, Lord and God and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So, 
that's there. Yeah. But, um. They're riding off and. We get the flash forward and Kelly was like, wait, so this is the snow globe. Are we related to Eden? And Barbie was like, I don't know. And, but they well, totally except are. Eden is like, I'm going to pass this snow globe to my children and their children's children and all that. And it's Which, like, I like how this all implies that either um, the Christmas Carol story doesn't exist in this universe or it does. And Charles Dickens just like <laughs> ripped off his story from this on this other incident that oh yeah happened. i mean let's be honest like a story depicting the journey of a woman being ripped off by what a if man. she was an old man instead where's the lie though <laughs> where's the lie in that line of thinking yeah and but, we also got uh barbie's friend who shows up who is uh catherine the same model the same model as catherine but her name is nikki and she's like there you two are we better head to the party and it's like and Barbie's like, oh, hey, Nikki. And it's like, Nikki, what? What? And so is she the descendant of that character as well? Who yeah, knows? Who knows? But also, like, what happened to your, uh, what happened to your friend? In Barbie ha- can have more than one girlfriend, okay? Okay. I just hope that Barbie didn't do her dirty. Yeah. I hope, like... You already said she has two hands. It's okay. <laughs> but Fair. essentially, Kelly has now learned the meaning of Christmas or whatever, and then that is the end. They, yeah, so... I mean... Not, definitely, yeah. it doesn't really have, like... I really like the kind of spookiness in Christmas Carol adaptations, even in, like, the like cartoon version. So it is kind yeah. of sad that it isn't really present in here, but I think, like how they, like, translate the emotional story in this one. I thought they did it in a very clever way, and I, th- I agree. found it pretty enjoyable. I agree. I kind of... This might be a little extreme for some, but I've got, this movie has kind of ended up in one of the higher tiers yeah. of the Barbie movies. Like, I, I would dare say, like, it's kind of in that same tier as, like, Diamond Castle, Princess and the Popper, uh, like, uh, Nutcracker... And I re- I'd not say Nutcracker, it's way better Rapun- than Nutcracker. I meant Rapunzel. Yeah. But I realize the main thing that those movies end up having in common, the more I think about them, is that there is that strong element of friendship, like female friendship and like platonic love that is there. And I think the reason why those movies are so refreshing is because like with Princess and the Popper and Diamond Castle, like, don't get me wrong... I'm more than happy to look into the queer subtext of that. But at least with them on the surface, it's like, it's something that you don't necessarily see in a lot of like mainstream children's entertainment where like most of the time, like girl characters are kind of conditioned to be kind of catty and like, where it like focuses on like female friendship. And yeah. Stuff like and that. I think that, I think that ends up putting this, this movie up into the high tiers. But yeah. how would you rate this one? Uh, you know, I think I'm going to give it uh, four annoying cat side characters out of five. Really? Well, I think in the spirit of the holidays, I'm going to be a bit generous. I mean, that's what uh, the ghosts would want me to do. So. I just want you to know that my rating system is pretty much pretty arbitrary and meaningless most of the that's time. True, and I do not I, keep track of it. Oh, I do, because I am a strange person, but, uh, yeah, I'm, in in the spirit of the holidays, I'm going to give this movie a cozy campfire 
out of five. Like, it, there's a comfort to it, there's a warmth to it, and there's something that makes you feel this sort of connection with other people. And I think that's... Yeah, it's like... I think that's something that I would honestly kind of recommend. Like, don't get me wrong, you could do kind of better with a lot of other Christmas Carol adaptations, but I still think that this is one that... Yeah, if you're yeah. having, like, a Christmas Carol adaptation marathon, which I usually do among this time, yeah, which, like... Throw it's this good, one yeah. on, like, this one definitely is, I think, worth a watch. If anything, it's it might be a good one to, like, throw in between some of those versions, just to show, like, a little bit of variety, and overall, the messages still end up being kind of similar and stuff, and I really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it, actually, a lot, yeah, so... I do, too. It, it's a nice, refreshing pace change from, uh... Just, like, a nice, refreshing glass of eggnog. Mm-mm. So, I think, yeah, thanks for listening to another episode of The Pink Isle, And, you know, however you choose to celebrate the season, I hope everyone is having just a wonderful time. Yeah, the holidays can be a tough time for people, and try to think of, like, at least one person that you at least can tolerate or love, and, like, try to, I don't know, spend some time with the people who actually care about you. Be like Eden and try to think about the people who care about you. Because remember, a selfish person will not survive in a selfish world. Aside from that, uh, thanks again. If you enjoy what we do, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Pink Isle Pod and give us a nice rating on your podcast listening platform of choice. Just as a little bonus we've been getting some pretty good traction. So I'll probably be posting some more specifics later, but something we have stumbled recently, consider this a holiday treat. We've stumbled upon a a bit of choice bibble writing. (laughs) If you want me to do some reading of this bibble work, consider supporting me. Coming straight from archive of our own, the Uh, pinnacle of modern literature. Um, Hugo award-winning. Hugo award-winning. I mean that non-ironically. Yeah, exactly. I say that too. Yeah. So, But if you are interested in hearing some uh, just uncut hashtag deep bibble literature, uh, consider yeah. tossing For a adults only, just yes. so you know. Yes, 18 plus on this one, guys. <laughs> like, believe me. The forbidden bibble hours are yes, coming. <laughs> like the forbidden fruit for bibble in more ways than one. Um, <laughs> but if you're interested in hearing that, uh, consider tossing a buck a month my way on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Henry Like, you'll get a lot of interesting stuff there. So, like, it'll let you listen to these podcasts early. You'll get some, like, nice exclusive stuff, including this episode. So, like, yeah. Go... Maybe consider throwing a buck my way and then listen to that hashtag deep bibble. Anyway, uh, Emma, where can people enjoy the stuff? I work what? for USI The Shield. Yeah. That's, and I do this. That's you what do I this. do. And follow her on Twitter, guys. Yeah. She, she's, she's good. She's a good friend and all that oh thank you yes i see we're all in the holiday spirit right now even though it's a different holiday <laughs> they don't need to know that <laughs> okay. 
most of you guys know where I'm at. Uh, you can listen to more of my stuff and watch more of my stuff uh, from my Twitter, at Kathman Henry, or on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Henry Kathman. We hope you enjoyed this. We wish you, once again, the happiest of all holidays and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh... We're under murder! Stop! 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 <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>